You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders. Today is a very special day for my family. My husband's graduating from his master's program today. So although I know he's not listening, I just want to say I am so proud of you, babe, and you have worked so hard for this. I cannot wait to celebrate with you. So for those of you who are just now joining the Enoughness Revolution, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you are new, then you have probably not heard of the Fierce Women Masterclass, which is a phenomenal self-paced course I've co-created with seven other amazing women. And this week, our one of our co-creators, the lovely Joe Gifford, is going to be walking us through some extra activities in the accompanying Facebook group. So if you want to get in on the magic and you are a female entrepreneur who wants to step up into your leadership, up-level your mindset so you can up-level your life and business, definitely check out FearSpoonAndMasterclass.com for more details. Now, I am talking to the lovely Alexis Neely today, who you may also know as Ali Shanti, who is a paradigm-shifting visionary and serial entrepreneur whose experience building multiple million-dollar companies has inspired the creation of a system that guides people into clarity, truth, and relationship with their resources, proving that you truly have enough. Now, Allie has been so generous in giving all of you access to the free money map, which I've included a link to that in the show notes. I've gone through this actually myself, and it is so clarifying when it comes to what does it mean to have enough money. So I'm so excited she shared that with you, and we have an amazing conversation. So without further ado, here is Alexis. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution podcast, everyone. I am so excited to have my guest, Alexis Neely, here with me. Allie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love that uh, the podcast is all about enoughness because it's a topic that has become very near and dear to my heart as of late. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you because it has a lot of different layers to it, um, especially when it comes to our own personal worthiness. But Mm -hmm. not only believing that we're enough, but that we have enough. Mm -hmm. There is always enough for us Mm -hmm. out there. So I'm so excited to get your perspective on all of this. Thank you. I'm I'm grateful to be here. So let's start with what does enoughness mean for you in your personal life? Mm -hmm. Well, I think as you said, you know, it is coming up in all of these different areas. You know, having enough money, being enough in myself, and knowing that there truly is enough in the world. And so the way that it has always showed up in my life up until now is around money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's shifted um, really in the past several months to um, as I have gotten really secure in knowing that I actually do have enough money and I can no longer externalize my not enoughness onto money, mm-hmm. I've had to face the reality that actually I've got some core uh, wounding at a much deeper level. And that core wounding at a much deeper level is this deep insecurity and um, lack of self-esteem that I used to, as I said, externalize around money. And so as long as I was doing that, I didn't need to face the depth of that insecurity and lack of self-esteem that is inside of me and impacting every area of relationships, parenting, business, money. And so um, my, my, my getting to this place of enoughness financially has freed me to be able to focus on the deeper issues. Mm, I love that. And I love that the way, because I, you know, I found in my own personal life that I was chasing enoughness through a lot of different avenues outside of myself. Mm-hmm. But coming to the realization that it was an inward journey, yeah, 
<laughs> and until I healed that inward part of me, I was always going to be chasing or there was always going to be just that little bit more that I needed mm -hmm. and it would be enough. So it was like postponing it, right? Yeah. Well, and, and what, what you can do and what I'm doing is um, you can look at any area of your life, whether it's money or parenting or relationship or business as, um, you know, the, the catalyst um, for you to begin to do this work. Yeah. You know, because some people, I think, aren't ready to just go straight to the depths of the inner work. It's, a, it's, it's stages, right? And so we need to be able to meet ourselves where we are. And so, so you can look at um, any one of, let's say, those four areas as the starting place and begin to take full responsibility for that that work um, in that external realm and and then you can start to see where you're projecting your not enoughness onto that area and to me that's the gateway to the deeper internal work but for example I'll, I'll just speak of my own experience when I was in survival mode from a money perspective my mind wouldn't let me see the deeper issues because mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you, you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and before I could have the spaciousness uh, to be able to focus on self-actualization, which is really what we're talking about here, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, before I could have the spaciousness to do that, I had to make sure my mind needed to be satisfied that my base level survival needs were met right um you know maybe some people can skip over that right like the people who just all of a sudden one day wake up and they're self-realized mm -hmm. that's really very few people absolutely <laughs> most of us have to go through a process of meeting ourselves where we are so my process for was first money yeah and then once well um, you know, it was money and relationship kind of intertwined. I, I think it, I think it began, um, maybe first during my divorce, um, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was entwined with money because it was, uh, it first came up when my, um, kid's dad, he was a stay at home dad and we we're going through this divorce and we're fighting about money and he's wanting to bring in a forensic accountant. And I just started my business. I had a law practice and uh, we had sold uh, our house and we had a chunk of money in the bank. And of mm -hmm. course he wanted a lot of it. And, and I remember like not being able to continue fighting with him. And I was in a hotel room um, at one point and I was just in this, um, deep turmoil. And I remember praying, please show me the way, show me the way, what should I do here? I can't continue this fight. And the, the message came through really clearly and it said, okay, stop fighting and ask him what he needs in order to be safe and then give it to him. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's going he's to take too much. Yeah. Like, no, follow this path. And so I did, this was in 2006, and I, I called him up and I said, what do you need in order to be safe? I don't want to fight. And he said, I need $4,000 a month. And I said, okay. Now I didn't have an extra $4,000 a month at that time. I didn't know where that was coming from. Mm -hmm. But I said, okay. And that was the first year that my business made a million dollars a year in revenue. Wow. I, I shifted my relationship to enough. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that the truth is that I'm a creator. And from the place of creation, I can always create more. Yeah. That was really my first, my first real understanding of that. And over the years, I would forget it, and then I would remember, and then I would forget it. And I actually um, post that. So, so my business that year made a million of revenue. And my businesses ever since then have continued to make a million or more revenue per year. But during that time period, so that was 2005, um, during that time period, I actually went through a personal bankruptcy. Oh. Um, in 2009, my companies were making about $2 million a year. And I was driven uh, by this fear, this fear of running out. Yeah. 
And so I wasn't building these million dollar businesses from a place of creation any longer. I was building these businesses from this fear-based perspective of if I don't keep doing this, I'll run out. And I didn't know anything or I knew very little about how to manage the legal insurance, financial and tax parts of my business. Even though I was a lawyer, they didn't teach us that in law school. Mm-hmm. I had gone out and learned everything I could about sales and marketing from, you know, the online world and all of that. And I was doing that really well. So I'm making all this money, but I wasn't paying attention to yeah. the legal insurance, financial and tax parts of my business. And so I got in over my head and I ended up in um, September of 2009 having a plant medicine journey. Hmm with the plant medicine ayahuasca. And in that journey, I saw, I think what I saw, honestly, Megan, was enough. I uh, like, I didn't get that at the time. What I saw was this um, life of harmony. Mm -hmm. I saw people working together towards a common purpose. I saw a reality where everyone did have enough. And then after that journey, I went into a depression for about three months because I saw the reality of how far my life was from what I had seen during that journey. Mm -hmm. And I fell into a gap. I didn't have integration support. And I fell into this gap of, wow, I have all this external success. $2 million a year in revenue in my company's house on a walk street in Hermosa Beach, driving a Mercedes, my kids in private school, you know, the whole thing, a a legal expert on TV, a best-selling book, you know, I I made it. I made it. And yet, my reality was one of not enough. Hmm. And from that place of not enough, there was tremendous conflict in my company, in my life. Even though I had, you know, reconciled things with my ex-husband through that question that had been, you know, a few years before and he was still in our life, that, that pervasive feeling of not enough was continuing and it had a significant impact. And I um, remember saying to my CFO at the time, um, Keith, you know, because I, I didn't really know how to look at my numbers or any of that at the time. And I remember saying to him, Keith, how much do I actually need? how much do I actually need? He's like, I don't know. Depends what you want. (laughs) And in that moment, I realized I don't know what I want. I have no idea. I have built this success machine based on not enoughness. Yes. Based on trying to fill this hole. Yes. Which I didn't really kind of even get that at that point. But, um, and there's all this conflict. What am I going to do? And so on January 1st, 2010, I um, packed up my family, two U-Hauls, the kids, my ex-husband, the cats, the dog, the snake, my boyfriend at the time, my assistants, and we, we left California. And we moved to Colorado. And I went on a two-year journey to begin to deconstruct mm. and let it all go piece by piece um, with this intention. That I, I now understand of finding enough. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know that at the time. I don't even know if I knew that until like within the past several months that that's actually what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I had to let everything go. And that was terrifying because – how could I let go of all of these external signs of success that I had created with the hope of finding something better, greater? Like it was, my mind was very confused. (laughs) And um, yeah, it was, it was very, very confusing to my mind. And through that process, I ended up moving to a farm um, that I had purchased not with the intention I was never, ever, ever going to live there, ever. And I said that when I bought it. I said, I'm never going to live here, y'all. I just want everybody to know I'm never going to live here. So, of course, you know, <laughs> the universe said, yes, you are. Um, and I ended up um, moving there from 2011 to 2012. And for a year, being able to ask the question of who am I if I'm not doing anything for money? Who am I if I'm just showing up every day um, free? 
to do whatever I want based on what I want to do, not based on what I have to do for money. Um, I fired everybody pretty much that was working with me in my home. I had to, I got to reconnect with my kids, driving them to and from school. I didn't have the personal assistant, the chef, the housekeeper, the you know person doing my grocery shopping. So like, like I had to become a human. I'm sure this is a very vulnerable time because even just the question alone of who am I when I take all of these labels away, that leaves us really exposed, especially when we're so used to defining ourselves in that way. Yeah. Well, and that's how I had always defined myself. You know, it's like million dollar business owner and um, successful lawyer and legal expert on TV. And then all of a sudden I was none of that. Yeah. And what I discovered when I was there that year at the farm is a new relationship to money um, that, that really I had to and, and got to over the next, you know, once I, I filed bankruptcy in 2012, that was a really big decision. Yeah. Um, uh, because that was like a whole other layer of letting go of reputation, brand, image, ego, et cetera. Um, and, I, I chose that route because it was the most responsible choice I could make. Mm-hmm. Not just, not for my, not just for myself, but for my work in the world, for my family. Um, I could have continued to operate the businesses from this place of not enough and sucking as much money out of the marketplace as possible, which is what I had been taught, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. I studied with the masters of sales and marketing and all of that. And so I could have continued on that model. Yeah. And paid back the money. But when I looked at what is most in service to the world, is it to do that or, and then pay back the big banks, or is it to let the big banks take the hit and not do that, to actually rebuild on a foundation of enough Mm-hmm. of not being about sucking as much money as I can out of the marketplace, but looking at how I can give as much as possible, I decided that letting the big banks take the hit, letting my personal brand, reputation, and ego take the hit, and rebuilding on a new foundation was actually the most responsible thing that I could do, not to mention the number of people that I would be able to help yeah. from the place of if I'm willing to file bankruptcy and rebuild, now I can actually help people who – aren't, you know, starting from having graduated first in their class from Georgetown Law and building million-dollar businesses and can't even possibly relate to that, but who have made big mistakes, who, you know, do have a bad credit score, who have filed bankruptcy themselves, and now I can actually help the people who are also driven by not enough or Mm -hmm. living in fear of not enough to discover their inherent enoughness. Again, I didn't know any of this completely at the time, but looking back with hindsight, I can see. Mm-hmm. And so, so I did it in August of 2012 and then began to come back into the world and carry with me the answer to that question of if I'm not doing anything for the money, if I'm just doing what I would do for free, who am I and how do I show up in the world? And from that place, I've rebuilt uh, my companies and my life Um and today, um, the companies are exact. It's funny. They're like exactly right where they were back in 2009. <laughs> uh, except what's different now is I've done it with my eyes wide open. Yeah. Uh, and mostly on this foundation of enough, other than what I'm now discovering over the past six months is how much my own inherent deep way beyond the money mm-hmm. not enoughness is still here yeah. I'm still working with it so what allowed me to see that is getting back to this place of okay companies making two million dollars they have this new foundation now I'm looking at the financials I am um, uh, consciously building these business models not just to support me but to support all the people on my team and to support my clients in a really meaningful way and we give a lot and uh, we receive a lot, and oh God, this not enoughness, it's still here, and I can't blame it on money anymore, because I have proven to myself that I'm actually financially liberated, I know that I can earn what I need when I need it on demand, being all of who I am, like I'm 
two people out in the world and Ali Shanti and Alexis Neely and the companies are still doing $2 million in revenue. The work is proven. I mean, you know, how, like how many testimonials can I get from people that says, Oh my God, your work has changed my life. And whoa, I am still really insecure. What led to this realization? Um, it's two things recently. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a new partnership on two fronts mm-hmm. uh, in my business. I recently brought in a chief of staff, um, that I, uh, am just so grateful that I attracted in. Her name is Brenda Matheson and, um, Brenda's really good at doing her own internal work. She's young. She's only 27, but she's really done a lot of her own internal work. Mm-hmm. And, I can see in reflection, in relationship to her, how I'm like constantly terrified she's going to leave. And she's not. (laughs) She's not going anywhere. She's really committed. And I can see how, um, and, and in her steady presence, in the face of her steady presence and her not getting caught up in my emotional reactions, I can see how many of the decisions I've made in my businesses over the years trying to plug these holes of not enoughness. Mm. Well, I'll change things at the last minute. And I'm like, oh God, maybe this work isn't really valuable. And then I'll be like, we have to fix it. We have to make it better. And it's like, it's not the work. Yeah. It's not the work. The work is valuable. You've got, people are using it and it's proven. And then I overcomplicate it and I add on all these extra things because I'm like so terrified that it's just not enough, right? So I'm able to now like start to see this Mm -hmm. and take responsibility and ownership for it in a way that I never was before. And she's really great at being able to hold space for it. And then in my personal relationship, um, one of the things that I've been studying a little bit recently is attachment theory. Mm. And, you know, there's these, um, there's attachment um, styles and there's a great book called Attached and there's the secure person and then there's um, anxious and avoidant which are the insecure attachment styles and I have a sense that I'm actually both I'm anxious avoidant great combination Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, at you know what I started to realize with these attachment styles is that attachment style anxious or avoidant is really just another word for you're insecure like, why don't I just admit it? I'm insecure. And then once I was able to do that and say, oh, okay, I'm insecure. Let me look at what am I doing in relationship from that place? Well, I'm getting into relationship with people that I need to save. Mm. Because that puts me in a power position. Yes. That is a pseudo security because now they're never going to leave me if I'm saving them. So they're typically younger men. They become dependent on me and I can inadvertently disempower them Mm -hmm. from that place. And it's like, how do I not do this? Right? Well, awareness is the first step. So, so with this recent guy that I've been seeing, um, I can see how I'm just setting us up for failure and I'm projecting all of my insecurities on him. And, you know, he's also got his own insecurities. So I'm sure that like, as I do that, I'm triggering his insecurities and I'm just throwing us into this downward spiral of projection and um, insecurity and, Oh my God. And I, and I, and I'm seeing it, you know, with my um, partner that I was with for three and a half years, his name is Craig. And we have this show called relationship TMI. (laughs) And I can see how I just did that with him. And a, and a, and a friend of mine who who talks a lot about attachment theory, his name is Philippe uh, Lewis. And um, Philippe says that really the only answer is to get into a relationship with a secure person. And, I'm hoping that that's not the case because I'm hoping that I can actually with awareness become a secure person and Mm -hmm. I can support my partner to do the same because, you know, I really love him and I don't want to, you know, sabotage him or me. I want to, with awareness, be able to uplift both of us and, and with my vulnerability to him being like, look, I'm insecure 
And so I'm going to share with you when my insecurities are coming up. I can take responsibility for them and I don't have to make them yours, but you can be aware of them and you don't need to take them on and go into your own shame cycle. And maybe together, if we just keep doing that, we can lift each other up out of this insecurity and heal it. Yes. Because I do believe that that is why we incarnated in the pl- you know, on the planet at this time is that these insecurity patterns are generations, eons. And that if we don't take, you know, bring awareness to them, we just pass them on to our kids, which I can see that I'm doing sadly with my kids right now. Um, but again, with awareness, together we can heal it. And then the future generations don't have to continue to carry these patterns of not enoughness into the world, and um, we, you know we can we can create a thriving life um, ongoing rather than becoming extinct, which is what we're moving towards from this need to consume everything in sight from this not enoughness place. So I mean, ultimately, it's about saving the planet, but <laughs> <laughs> and we're saving I think ourselves on the planet, but we well, got to yeah, start. we have to save ourselves first. And yes. I would say, you know. Maybe your friend Philippe has has a leg to stand on with his suggestion, but I would go one step beyond that of saying it's really about becoming in relationship with yourself, of, of that part of yourself that feels like she's not enough, right? Because I haven't read Attached, but as a retired psychotherapist, I know about attachments. Yeah. And it all starts when we're really young. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are all patterns that... I mean, I think, honestly, it's like even before we were really young, you know, like we were born into the perfect family to create the exact situation that we needed to just continue to relive the generations of... Oh, yeah. Transgenerational patterns. Yeah. And so what I see, because I'm, you know, a former estate planning lawyer. Sometimes I still do a little bit of it. But today what I mostly do in one of my businesses is train lawyers uh, in estate. And what I see is that like even the way we approach end of life issues and saving for retirement and saving for the end of our lives, it all comes from this foundation of not enough. Yeah. And it's creating a reality that is, you know, if, I don't know if you've had any family members that have passed on, but when I look at the reality of how my grandmother's life was at the end of her life, I don't. I don't want that. That that not enoughness creates a reality that is exactly what we don't want. Well, it's fear. It creates an existence where we're just living by fear. Yes. And I, that's what I found in my journey too, exploring this enoughness concept is that really when we're coming from this place of not enough, it's a fear of lack. Yeah. And that fear can be very motivating for us. And yeah. sometimes, you know, that's great. We can channel that fear in a positive way. Yeah. But at some place, we have to bring in this concept of wholeness mm-hmm. and love to really mm-hmm. be able to thrive instead of just survive. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly right. And um, it is, uh, it's like, what are the... What are the steps that we can engage in so that we can give ourselves, give our minds enough security to be willing to confront that fear at the deepest levels and shift our relationship to it so that we're no longer motivated by it, but willing to go towards it. Yes. Right? I mean, that's like the shift, Mm -hmm. right? It's like all my life I was motivated by fear, motivated by fear of not enough, of running out, of um, not getting there. That's what yeah, not, up for yeah, me. not getting there, or like I got to prove myself, right? Yeah. So, that, so I was put. The way that I think of it is, I was pushed by fear. Yeah. I was pushed by fear. And what I've been doing over the past couple of years is shifting my relationship to that fear, where I'm actually being pulled by desire. Mm. So instead of being pushed from behind, I'm being pulled from the front, from my chest, from my heart, which requires me to be in contact with my heart, which I wasn't most of my life, but I am now. So now I'm being, I'm being pulled by my heart. And oftentimes as I'm being pulled by my heart, I'm being pulled right into the fear, right <laughs> into the thing that I've been avoiding yeah. with that push. And it's like, whoa, it's all like, I have to reorient everything mm-hmm. um, in order to do this. And um, 
Yeah, it's we are in transition times. That is all I can say. And I'm I'm excited to see what is on the other side um, of these transition times and um, you know the world that we can that we can create together when we are truly all coming from that wholeness. We don't need to like take from somebody else to get ours. Yeah, we can create things. You know, create win win. Yeah. Um, together uh and when we can be vulnerable and know that we're going to be held mm-hmm. um and um uh you know that that really ultimately like we can get up close and personal with with people enough to say i need help yeah know that um uh that you know help will be there um, and I guess ultimately what we're getting to, and I don't think I'm there yet, um, is this idea that like, even if nobody's there, I'm fine. You're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's like the process of really approaching those insecurities because it's, it's really emotional work mm-hmm. um, it's, and then incredibly vulnerable at times. I avoided it for a long time. And when I was right smack in the middle of it, I mean, of course this is annoying stuff, um, I think that there's like a healing phase that we go through and then there's the maintenance phase and then we do more healing and then we maintain and it's an ongoing process. But I remember the first healing phase when I started to approach this, these insecurities and the, the voices of not enough, yeah. I didn't want to feel them because I didn't know if I could. Yeah. I was so used to just being driven and driven and driven. Like I can just move past this. I can push through this. These things will eventually go away. But what I found is that, no, that's not how it works because there's this piece of us that needs that healing. It needs that love and understanding and acceptance from us. Mm-hmm. And to go and do this with a part of yourself that you don't really like because this yeah. is the part that creates the pain, right? And now you're supposed to love this part of you. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this. I would just prefer you not exist. Yeah. But that's the process of becoming whole is that we're no longer denying those pieces of ourselves and saying, it's okay for this pain to be here. I can be here with it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to avoid it anymore. Yeah. And that I think gives you such a strong foundation of power mm-hmm. because you're bringing your whole self to the table. Yeah. So I'm curious, Megan, I, I want to turn it around on you a little bit and, uh, and ask you like, how, how do you know, how do you know personally when you're living from a place of, of wholeness and enough? Mm. The energy is quite different. Um, When I'm caught up in ego-based stuff, there's a lot of fear and a lot of push and a lot of force. Mm -hmm. And I get really, really attached to the outcome Mm. to the point where like this has to happen. This must happen. And I start to create a lot of anxiety for myself, a lot of pressure for myself and a lot of stress. I start taking my life and myself very, very seriously Mm. because I'm so attached to reaching this destination to fill that space of, not enough. Yeah. When I'm working from a place of wholeness, there's a lot of surrender and a lot of grace and a lot of selflessness that it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about the work. Mm -hmm. And so this process to me has felt a lot with a lot more ease. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get caught up in the desperation of needing something to come out in a specific way at a specific time. There's a lot more release to something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, I kind of say like fear, it it edges God out, right? Like that's what our ego does. It edges God out. And I can tell very clearly when I'm working from that place of ego, because I feel anxious. My body literally feels heavy. Mm -hmm. It feels constricted. My mind is worry zone all the time. When I'm working from this place of enoughness, that there's more than enough, that everything is going to be perfectly divinely timed. Yes. I relax. Yeah. And I enjoy my life a whole lot more. Yeah. So it's really kind of paying attention to how, how it feels, how you're experiencing that day to day. Mm-hmm. because we always have access to that wholeness, but it's something that we have to choose to rest in because the voices are not enough, regardless of how much inner work you do, there's going to be those old stories that still pop up from time to time. Yeah. It's part of being human. Yeah. So it's really making a choice to rest in the wholeness. And when the voices of not enough come up to really treat them with that love and compassion 
I'm saying, I recognize that you're here. I'm attending to you, but you're not driving the car. Yeah, thank you. That, that really helps me to understand um, where my work fits in in this journey. Because that's you know, part of what my mind, my not enoughness is always like, oh, your work isn't valuable. Oh, nobody really needs to do that. Just skip right to the part of, just tell them. Just skip right to exactly what Megan was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and great, yes, yes, if you can. Just do that. Just do exactly what Mega just said. And I think what is um, coming up for me with the, you know, reinforcement of like, okay, where does my work fit into this? It is, again, you know, where I needed to come to it from the money perspective is what block, what my mind spin was almost always around the money piece. But do I have enough money? But do I have enough money? And so in order for me to quiet that part and be able to say, hey, I hear you. I hear you're afraid that we don't have enough money. Let me, let me give you some data. Yeah. Let me give you um, some specific tools that are going to allow you to know I've got this. Yes. There is an adult on the field. Yes. I know that when we were growing up, it didn't feel like there was an adult on the field. And I know you felt scared and out of control when the electricity got turned off or when your mom was freaking out because your dad wasn't showing up. I know. And I couldn't help you then because I didn't have those tools. And so those tools didn't even exist in the world, but I have created those tools for you now. And so you don't need to freak out about it anymore. Here, let me show you. Let me show you how much enough there actually is. Let me show you that you don't have to grab control and consume and just stress out all the time anymore because there's enough. And, and here, even, and, and let me show you that even if this thing that you think you want so bad doesn't happen, we're still going to be okay. Because look how little we actually need to have the life that we want. Yes. Look how little we actually need. You know, we could go live in the RV and travel around and have this amazing life going to festivals. Or we could go live on this little plot of land and be in community and feel great. Look how little we actually need. And I know you want to do more than that in the world. I know you don't want to just live on land with community, but you actually want to give these greater gifts. Great. Look, we can do that. We have all the resources that we need to do that. And here's where we can find them. And look, even if we don't have them right this very minute, we can ask. Yeah. We can ask because we now we have clarity of what we actually need. And you don't need to be constantly freaking out. Yeah. You can relax. You can relax. And I, and I get it all out of my mind and into this system that I created because I needed it. Because yeah. otherwise, my creative energy was all bound up in, yeah. that, in that fear, in that not enoughness, in that insecurity. And I couldn't be of service because mm. I didn't really know. And so we get it out, and I, and I begin to relax, and I begin to be able to actually make decisions, not from that scared part of me that really does not think there's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a couple of things that come up for me when you're talking and yeah. I think you do this so beautifully. You know, I often say some, like the, the voices of not enough don't always use the words. Not yeah. um, sometimes it comes up as no one's going to buy this. This isn't good. This isn't going to make a difference. This isn't going to make an impact. Um, we, when we get into that judgment or self-criticism mode, we're, it's always coming from a place of lack that we are, we're not good enough or this isn't good enough. Yes. The other thing that comes up for me is, especially as it's related to money in your story, it related to money in my story quite a bit too, is that we're always craving the sense of safety and security. That's all we really want. That's so right. if we can create this container for ourselves, remind ourselves we are safe, we are secure, mm -hmm. this is the way things actually are right now, Mm -hmm. It gives us like room to expand and breathe. Yes. And then we start to take our power back in those, yes. those moments of, of still, stillness, calming yes. down, right? And I look at how many investments I made over the past, you know, let's call it 10 years. Uh, over the past 10 years, I've brought through my businesses more than $15 million. Mm. I don't have any of that money. 
I'm not, I, I, I circulate it. I keep it in flow. And, and I look at how many of the investment decisions I made over those years based on not enough, based on fear, based on thinking, oh, I'll just do that program or I will hire that coach because they will fill this void somehow, right? Yes. Now, some of those, some of the investments I made were great. You know, I hired a coach um, for $30,000 back in 2006 who literally step-by-step -step held my hand and showed me how to launch products and programs online. And, you know, within eight weeks, we had far surpassed my investment with him. We did about $117,000 in sales. That was a good investment. Yes. Right from like the financial perspective. But one of the things that I really hope today that um, we can begin to look at within ourselves is when are we making our choices and decisions from this place of not enough? Yeah trying to fill the hole versus when are we making choices and decisions from the clarity of knowing I actually do have enough and based on this enough, I'm going to make the exact right investment that I need to make to support the work that I'm actually here to do in the world. Yes. And, um, and I'm going to do that based on having clarity of an income model that actually serves the life that I want to have I'm going to know that by first knowing from this place of enough, what is the life that I want to have? Not from, again, this place of not enoughness and trying to fill the hole, but from this place of like my true desire, my heart-based yes. desire of the life that I want, which we end up realizing oftentimes is far less than we think we need. Yes. <laughs> um, and so in, in my process, we actually look at it on multiple levels. We look at minimum to be happy, yes. minimum to be of service, preferred if I could afford it, and no limits. Oftentimes, the no limits can be driven by this, like, not enough. And it's the thing that we think that we're going for when, when really when we plot out, like, where is our now on the map in relationship to minimum to be happy, um, minimum to be of service, preferred, and no limits, we begin to see that oh my God, I actually do have plenty of money. Yeah. What I don't have enough of right now is time, energy, <laughs> attention, my non-renewable resources. And what I'm doing is I'm sacrificing those non-renewable resources to have more money, but for what purpose? What I really need is I need to be using that money to hire people to help me to free up time, energy, and attention, which are the right investments, so that I can actually then even create my own economy right around me, and now I'm giving back, I'm circulating the money, I'm keeping it in flow, we're creating more together, we're not about consumption, and we're not consuming more than we create, which we know is a path to not enough, I mean, you, you could feel that inherently, right, if you're consuming more than you create, no wonder you're feeling like not enough, but instead, together, we're all creating more, yeah. infinitely sustainable, and, um, and now I'm putting back into the world um, not from a place of um, deficiency, trying to get something, but because I actually have this, these gifts that like have to come out. Yes. Um, and service, in service, and I'm giving from the overflow, and so we're just shifting our entire relationship to time, to money, to how we get paid, to the investment choices that we make, and it, it is able to come from this place of, like true knowing that we have enough and, and then that permeates, that permeates the companies yeah. uh, that you're building. It permeates the work that you're doing. It permeates your marketing. Yes. Now you're marketing from a place of enough. You're doing sales from a place of enough. You don't have to pressure anyone into yes. buying exactly. at any specific time. It's like, okay, you'll, you, you will buy, you will invest when it is right from, for you. Yeah. Um, based on this knowing of enough. And that's something, by the way, that I am like still working out mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in my companies. Like how do I take all of the sales and marketing stuff that I've learned over the past 10 years and keep what's good and keep what makes sense while, that, that does help to motivate people from this desire in a good way, giving 
um, you know, discounting is like a big strategy that, that I've been taught and I use. And, and how do I keep using that in a way to reward people who are making decisions that support more of what we want to see in the world rather than doing it like based on this fear mentality of the not enough. It's something that I have to like constantly have my eyes wide open to looking for so that I don't inadvertently perpetuate that which we, you know, are ready to let go of. So that's kind of where I have two companies. One trains lawyers on a new law business model that I created and um, the other one um, uh, is really uh, creating, um, uh, helping people to build their life and income with their eyes wide open from this perspective yeah. of, of enough. And, uh, and, and, I, and I can see where the um, not enough um, is, sneaks in. Yeah. You know, and so I'm always having to look for that and, um, and, 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 root that out because if we perpetuate that in our marketing then it's what we perpetuate in the world yeah we want everybody making decisions based on this true knowing that that you are enough your whole yes it's all perfect yeah so not making a decisions out out of fear yeah but really of saying, this is something that I see can really benefit me. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to stand in my leadership and own that and mm-hmm. do the work necessary to improve it. I think oftentimes, and I can speak for myself, <laughs> you know, beginning entrepreneurship, there's so much stuff out there. And you're such a novice. You are totally insecure with <laughs> what it is that you're doing because yes. there's so much to learn. And it's really easy to get sucked into, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And I think before we know it, we have invested so many thousands of dollars without really having a clear vision of what it is we're bringing to the table. That's what the enoughness and the wholeness work really helps you do is to know what your strengths are, where you really shine. So you can, you have a better idea of what you really truly need. So yes. And I, and I love that you use the word need because I'm reclaiming this word for us in the past. Need is something that I disowned. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything, but the truth is I do. And so my need um, was disowned and uh, I couldn't acknowledge that I needed anything, but I, I, you know, so it was like just perpetuating in this not enoughness thing. And, and here's the truth. Yes. There's things we need. Yes. <laughs> yes. We need things. We yes. need, we need people. We need money. And when you can be in right relationship with what do you actually need, then you can ask. Yes. For it with clarity and cleanness instead of like this shadowy thing pretending I don't actually need this when eh, I have so true. It's like it's like intentionally asking instead of grasping out of desperation. Right. Such a big difference because I think when you're really intentional about what you need, you come from a place that is more like governed by your CEO being that in that leadership role instead of always being like the follower. Yes. And your business drastically shifts when you stand more so in your power of being really intentional about what it is that you need. But being able to say it, yeah. What you have to offer. Yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, literally, literally you, I think you just, I have this course called the Enough Course that um, I just um, created. And you literally just like spoke the steps. Uh, (laughs) Of course, it's like, okay, first we get super clear on what we have. Yeah. Uh, but what do we actually have? And not just money, but like all of our, you know, our time, our energy, attention, our skills, our talents, our resources, our email list, our, you know, ideas, our relationships, right? All of it. And then what do I actually want my life to look like? Okay. What do, and then what do I need in order to create that? What do I have to give? And then how do I ask um, from that place of, Hey, I can ask for help yes. now that I know what I want. Now that I know what I need, now that I know what I have to give, I can ask for help cleanly and clearly. And there's not this like shadow or sideways or like, uh, you know, um, and if people say no, 
it's okay. I could trust that they said no because just wasn't a good fit for them because I can also trust that they know what they want, what they need, what they have to give. And maybe this, you know, this is a, a stretch for them. Anyway, so I'm like so curious about you two. I'm like, huh, what else can we work together? We're so aligned. What else can we do? Well, I love this course. That I mean, the Enough course, that sounds phenomenal. And I love, you know, I've gone through your, your money map process of the oh, clarity really? pieces are just so helpful. So, and you're also, you've gifted a piece of that to all of the listeners, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, our, my whole business is like under major reconstruction. As, as we're talking right now, I don't know where it will be when this ultimately airs. Um, but um, as almost, I can guarantee that if you go to moneymap.tv, there's mm-hmm. going to be something awesome there for you for free. Okay. But right now it's our Money Map Life and Income Planning Series. And this series will take you into the initial stages of you getting really clear about what you want at these multiple different levels, identifying where you are now in relationship to them so that you can, with clarity, be working towards a clear vision of your next, knowing where you are on the map because yes. you know, how, how else can you make good decisions if you just, right. it's like, if you are trying to plan a trip, you need to know where you're starting and where you're going next. And so that's what we help you to do is know where are you starting, where are you going next, and uh, then plot that course um, with as straight a line of po- as possible uh, with this, again, just this deep knowing of, of enough and so that'll probably be still what's what's there for free. It might look okay. a little different than it does now, but um, even just being in the in this in this renovation process, I mean, it's it's actually been kind of a long long process because I keep getting more clarity, and um, it is uh, it's it's confronting to say, okay, well, we're under you know, we're just meet us where we are. We're in an evolution. That's right. <laughs> We're in an evolution. I'm going to give you the very best I have as soon as I have it available, knowing that it's going to get even better and I'm going to be okay with giving you what I have right now and not hold back what I have until it's perfect. Yes, please that don't. Would, that would do a disservice to you and it would do a disservice to me as well. But and I mean, so, I can speak just from experience with the content I've gone through of yours. It's really, really high quality. And so regardless of where you are in this evolution, I trust that, you know, when you put something out there, it's going to be really helpful for people. So thank you for being so generous and offering that to our listeners. And thank you for being an amazing guest today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for having me here. And thank you for, you know, being on this journey of enoughness and speaking to it so clearly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you more about how I can support you with bringing your work into the world as well. Thank you, Allie. And to all of our listeners, thank you for sharing this space with us today. We will see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.